Hey church, we just heard an incredible message that we believe is for you. So get ready to be encouraged, to be strengthened. This will change your life. We love you so much. Well, welcome to Shoreline City. I am so incredibly excited about this weekend and all that God has in store for every last one of us. Uh, you might not know this, but we are actually one church with multiple locations. We have locations in Antigua, Guatemala, Bishop Arts, and White Rock. We like to say it like this, we're one house many rooms. And in these many rooms, we have guests that are with us for the first time. And I just need you to know, we have prayed for you. We have asked for God to bring you here. And we are praying that you feel like you're with family and with people that genuinely care about you. Some people that are in your corner because we are, we love you already. And you might feel like you're messed up, but just so you know, you're in good company because we are all a little bit messed up. But we are thankful for the grace of God in our lives, and we're thankful that you are here. What we're going to do in just a moment is I'm going to open up this Bible here. I'm going to open it up, and we do not believe this Bible is just a book of stories or just fables. We actually believe this is the inspired word of God, a love letter written to all of humanity, a letter that is going to pierce every heart of every person that's under the sound of my voice today. So just get ready for God to draw you closer to him and remind you who you are in Christ. Now, since we're going to be opening up uh, this this Bible today, I, I want you to know we're starting actually a, a brand new series that I am absolutely thrilled about called Everybody Loves a Secret. Everybody Loves a Secret. And before you think it's a little bit weird, we're going to be walking through the book of Colossians together. And I am incredibly excited about what God is going to do. But at all of our locations, would you do me a favor? Give a, another big old round of applause to all of our first time guests. Uh, that are with us and make sure they feel at home. If you have your Bibles again, open up with me to Colossians chapter one, Colossians chapter one. We're going to begin reading in verse number one. We're going to go all the way to verse number eight, Colossians chapter one, verses one through eight. Paul, an apostle of Christ Jesus by the will of God and Timothy, our brother, to God's holy people in Colossae, the faithful brothers and sisters in Christ, grace and peace to you from God, our Father. We always thank God, the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, when we pray for you, because we have heard of your faith in Christ Jesus and of the love you have for all God's people, the faith and love that spring from the hope stored up for you in heaven and about which you have already heard in the true message of the gospel. Verse number six, that has come to you in the same way the gospel is bearing fruit and growing throughout the whole world, just as it has been doing among you since the day you heard it and truly understood God's grace. You learned it from, look at this guy's name, Epaphras, our dear fellow servant who is a faithful minister of Christ on our behalf. And who also told us of your love in the spirit. We're going to have a title for today's message. And it is, it's an oldie but a goodie. It's an oldie but a goodie. Um, uh, in 2006, 
a movie came out that shook the entire world, a riveting movie. Uh, this movie changed the landscape of families forever. Cars. Cars. <laughs> Lightning McQueen burst on the scene in this year, and it changed our lives forever. Okay, we had little kids at this time. That means, as a parent, you are forced to watch this movie over and over and over and over and over and over and over again. Because this is what babysits your kids for you when you have little children. So we were forced to watch this movie over and over. And thankfully, it was a halfway decent movie. For those of you who don't know what uh, Cars is and who Lightning McQueen is or was, he was a famous race car who found himself in Radiator Springs. Pulls in, and it's a ghost town. It's like there's no one there. It looks like people used to be there, but no one's there right now. Just a few people. And he's rolling through Radiator Springs and he learns more of its history. And he discovers that Radiator Springs at one point in time was incredibly popular. It was so popular people in Radiator Springs would have had a Lightning McQueen blanket like some of you have that are 21, 22 years old. Radiator Springs was so full of life. It was bursting at the seams. There were people. The economy was booming, but they built a road. They built a road that went around Radiator Springs. So people no longer went through Radiator Springs. And since people were going around Radiator Springs and never going through, it impacted the economy, the population, and the city became a little ghost town that was set aside. This city, this group of people that is written to, this book of Colossians, it's written to the people of Colossae. Colossae was a city that would have been somewhat like Radiator Springs. There was a time that it was bursting at the seams. uh, Not Radiator Springs, but Colossae, rather, was about 100 miles inland from Ephesus. There were three cities that were kind of all in a cluster together. Colossae uh, was one of them. Aeropolis was one. And Laodicea was another and these three cities, there were this, there was like a convergence of east and west trade routes that all ran through this city. So again, there is population, there is economy, things are really looking up. But, but over time, Colossae became a, a secondary city, became a city that, that people did not visit all that much. It was not like Antigua, where people visit all the time. It would have maybe been like one of the out, out towns, the towns far out somewhere that nobody, people used to go to, but they don't really go to anymore. So Colossae and the people of Colossae, there was a time that they were kind of in the middle of everything, but now they're on the outskirts. It would be like they are on the junior varsity team. They are on the secondary team. And while they are going through all of this, the apostle Paul writes them this letter. 
And he writes them this letter, and it is a very, very important letter. I read one theologian that said Colossians is the most arrogant of all New Testament books. Because this book is making this bold statement and the true statement that in Christ Jesus, there is complete sufficiency. That nothing is lacking in the person of Jesus. That he is whole in and of himself and has the power in his death, burial, and resurrection to make every man and every woman whole as well. That if you are broken and you come to Jesus, everything will be made right. That if you are lost when you come to Jesus, you can be found. That if you are wandering purposeless when you come to Jesus, your understanding of who you are comes to light in the person of Jesus is complete sufficiency. But some people came in to Colossae, started messing with them, heretics. People came in and said, oh, no, it's not just Jesus. It's Jesus plus some other things. That his sacrifice was not enough for you and his deity. Matter of fact, he's not even totally divine. As a matter of fact, some Gnostics were saying that Jesus could not have been God because God would not be, would never interact with skin because all matter was evil and the Gnostics were trying to elevate knowledge and disconnect people from the person of Jesus and they were trying to incorporate their twisted theology into the gospel and the apostle Paul says, I've heard all this stuff that is going on, but I got to make it abundantly clear for you. Those heretics are liars. Jesus is enough. It is not Jesus plus anything. It's Jesus plus nothing. That is the gospel. It's the same kind of thing that's happening in our day today. People are questioning the authority and the, the strength and the sufficiency of Jesus. If Jesus is who he says he is, then why are you still struggling? And if Jesus is who he says he is, how come he didn't answer your prayer? And if Jesus is who he says he is, why are you still battling that addiction? But please understand, because I might be battling some things does not mean my Savior has lost any of his power. He is still... God with skin on. And the apostle Paul is coming at this hard. He's coming at it hard. He's coming at it with aggressiveness. He's coming at it with fervor. He's coming at it with passion. He's trying to let them know Christ is sufficient. Because anytime you try to tell people that it's Jesus and Jesus alone, they want to try to add some things to it because then we can control it. So when Jesus was on the cross and he said to tell sty, which means, which translated means it is finished or paid in full. When he said it is finished, he actually meant it is finished. That is a death blow to religion. This is like Mike Tyson back in the day. This is like Ronaldo doing a penalty kick. It is hands down going to happen. Once Jesus says it is finished, he 
took the power of religion away and he put the power in and of himself saying, I have life and life to the fullest is found in me and in nowhere and in no one else. It is finished. Christ is sufficient. So I want to I want to walk through just a few of these verses, okay? Uh, we could literally probably be unpacking this for the next, oh my goodness, years, years, okay? I don't have time to unpack the beauty and the gems that are in every verse, but we're going to walk through these first eight verses in the next few minutes that we have together, and let's see if our hearts can explode a little bit more and our understanding can expand a little bit more about who Jesus is and what he's trying to do in our hearts and in our lives, So again, go back to verses 1 and 2. Paul, an apostle of Christ Jesus by the will of God, and Timothy, our dear brother, to God's holy people in Colossae, the the faithful brothers and sisters in Christ, grace and peace to you from God our Father. These first two verses are a very, very normal greeting. Now, there's powerful words in there for sure, but this will be a very common greeting. You would see this in a lot of the New Testament letters. There's a flow to the letters, like when you send an email, and at the end of your email, you will have uh, your signature. You will have your name and your email address, and maybe your phone number, and maybe your title or your position. There's a flow to emails. There's a flow to letters. Dear so-and-so, comma, return, return, tab, space, you know, all of the, there's a flow. So in the New Testament letters, there is a flow to all of them. So the first two verses are very, very normal greeting. And then he jumps in and in verses three and four, he says, we always thank God. Father, I want you to see this, of our Lord Jesus Christ, And we pray for you because we have heard of your faith in Christ Jesus. Right off the bat, two times. He says, I've heard. We give thanks. Jesus Christ, Christ Jesus. Jesus Christ, Christ Jesus. Now, I'm not cussing right now, okay? I'm reading scripture. Jesus Christ, Christ Jesus, right off the bat, right off the bat, right off the bat. He is trying to point us right right off the bat. He's trying to let the people of Colossae know, I know some people are attacking his deity. I know some people are attacking his supremacy. I know some people are attacking his authenticity. I know some people are trying to throw your faith in shambles. But let me let you know right off the bat that your faith is not in me and your faith is not not in government and your faith is not in economy and your faith is not in your gifts. Your faith has been founded in Jesus Christ and in Jesus Christ alone. Right off the bat, Jesus Christ, Christ, Jesus, Jesus Christ, Christ, Jesus, Jesus Christ, 
Christ. Gee, when everybody, somebody's trying to get you off of the person of Jesus, you need to, what do you do? Where are you trying to take me? Where are you trying to take me? Where, 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 are you trying to, where are you trying to point me right now? Whenever they're trying to get your eyes off of Jesus, whenever they're trying to get your eyes on a human man like me or on someone else or some political figure, and they're trying to get your eyes off of Jesus, it's always a sign that something is going the wrong direction here. You and I got to keep our eyes and our hearts fixed on Jesus. Now, this is a quick aside. This is a quick aside. I, I, let, let, me, let me just train you for, for, for a second, Shoreline City, for a quick second. Um, Jesus Christ is the head of the body, and the body is his church. Okay? So the book of Colossians that we're reading from right now was written around the same time as the book of Ephesians by the same person. When you read through the book of Ephesians, there's a lot of church talk in it. The body, the body, the body, the church, the church, the church. Christ is the head of the body, the church, body, body. Over and over and over and over again, he keeps celebrating this aspect of who Jesus is as well. So when someone says to you, I love Jesus, but I don't do church. It's like they are saying, I like your face, but your body's fat and disgusting. And I'm just telling you, you're not going to date someone that thinks you got a good face. But the rest of you is nasty. So for us as followers of Jesus, please do not disconnect the body from the head. Okay, the head follows the body. And whether people are meeting in buildings like we're meeting at all of our locations or people are meeting in homes like they are in other parts of the world because they don't have buildings, wherever the family of God is getting together, that is the church of Jesus Christ that is getting together and that is the body of Christ. And let's not separate those two things. That's free. That was free. That was free. Verse number five, verse number five, verse number five. The faith and love that spring up from the hope, from the hope stored up for you in heaven. For the hope, from the hope, from the hope, from the hope. Uh, I I, got to stop on this word hope uh, for a second. It's a beautiful name. If you're you're named hope, that's a a beautiful name. Uh, In our day and age, the word hope usually means wish. Or possibility. We say, I, I hope I get married. <laughs> I hope I get the promotion. I hope I get out of the hospital. It's a wish. It's a possibility. That's not biblical hope. When the scriptures teach on, when they say hope, hope is something very, very different in the Bible. In the Bible, hope is actually security and assurance in the person of Jesus Christ. That's what hope, that's what biblical hope is. Biblical hope is like, it's going to happen. It's done. I'm just waiting for it. I I, I put my order in on Amazon. I know it's coming. It's going to be here soon. (laughs) 
Now, I, I, uh, when I was growing up, uh, my, my dad was not uh, very, very present in my life when I was growing up. So my mom was really like my mom and my dad growing up. So on Father's Day, I tell her, Happy Father's Day uh, as well. Uh, so I'm thankful for her. My dad, on the other hand, would make promises and he would say, Hey, son, I'm going to pick you up. And I would stand at the door and I would be waiting for him to pick me up. And over and over and over again, he would not come to pick me up. I would be left standing there time after time after time time after time. So if he told me I'm coming to pick you up, I would say something like, I hope you'll be there. It was me saying, I don't know. I'm unsure. There's a possibility, but it might not happen. As compared to my grandmother, who's about to celebrate her 95th birthday. And my grandmother, every single night after she put vinegar on her feet, which I don't know why she did that. I'm not kidding either. Room smelled terrible. But after she would put vinegar on her feet, she would turn over in her bed and she would be saying her prayers every night. Many times I walked into the room, I'd say, Grandma, and she wouldn't turn because she was talking to God. She wasn't letting me interrupt her communication with her father. So I knew my grandmother was praying for me. So when I say something like, I hope my grandmother's praying for me, it's not I wish or if, is it a possibility? It's more in line with biblical hope, which is, I know that woman is praying for me because it's secure and it's assured. And that is what you and I have in Jesus. We have a hope in Christ that is secure and assured and no one and nothing can shake that. Just walking you through scripture here. Just walking you through. Just walking us through. Just walking us through. Because if we don't get this stuff in us, we will start to be tossed back and forth by all types of doctrine and ideas and thoughts that are out there, things that will get us all off track. And I don't want a church that's tossed about by every wind of doctrine and this new thing is coming in and that new thing is happening and somebody over here is saying something new and somebody over there is saying something new. I want us to be a people that are steady and secure and sure in our relationship with the God of heaven through the person of Jesus Christ. Hope. Let me. Oh, man, I got more stuff than I got time. Let me let me go. Let me go here. Let me go here. Ooh, let's go verse number six. Let's go verse number six. Let's go verse number six. Man, this is good. Already heard. Uh, uh. In the true message of the gospel, not me preaching so good, but, but this Bible is so good. That's what I was talking about. I was talking out loud about how awesome the scriptures are. That has come to you. Okay, in the same way, in the same way, the gospel is bearing fruit and growing throughout the whole world. He says the gospel is growing and bearing fruit. Throughout the whole world. Can I just say, can I just say this right now? If you're into the gospel, 
That means you got to be into growth. And in our day and age, growth can get a really, really bad rap. Oh, you're trying to grow? Oh, you're trying to get bigger? No, I'm just preaching the gospel. And wherever the gospel goes, it grows. That's what the gospel does, okay? So for any of us here who have a really myopic and really limited understanding of the growth and the supremacy and the awesomeness of our amazing Savior, and we want to keep things really dumbed down and really small, I'm just telling you that is antithetical to the gospel. The gospel of Jesus Christ grows. It flourishes. It gets bigger. It takes over ground and space. Where's the first place it does it? It does it in your own heart. When the gospel gets in your life, it changes you, starts messing with you. Well, Jesus is not interested in coming in and being a little idol that sits on some shelf in your life. When Jesus comes into your life, he says, all of this is mine. <laughs> so your kids can't be first and your wife and your husband can't be first and your job can't be first and your gifts and your talents even your sins and your past they cannot be first i've got to be first i've got i've got to rule this whole space here once you let jesus in he takes over this is what jesus this is what the gospel does oh what's the gospel what is the gospel some of you are like okay tell me tell me tell me it's real simple it just means good news it just means good news good news what's the good news Jesus Christ, through his death, his burial, and his resurrection, man, he he brought us all into right relationship with God. We've been sealed by the Holy Spirit, and our lives have been made new. We are no longer enemies of God, but we now have peace with God through Jesus Christ. Our past has been utterly forgiven. That means There is nothing in life that defines you more than your relationship with Jesus. Your sins don't define you. Your color of your skin does not define you. Your gender does not define you. The language that you speak is not the thing that defines you. The neighborhood you grew up in is not what defines you. The school or the schools you graduated from is not what defines you. What defines you is his life, his death, his burial, his resurrection. That's what makes all the difference in the world. That's why I don't treat other people poorly so I give dignity to everyone that I meet the gospel is growing and growing and growing and growing there was a time it was not in Colossae but the gospel says I'm not just staying in Ephesus I've got to go to every city I've got to go to every community I can't just stop at White Rock and Bishop Arts I got to go to I got to go to Guatemala City. I've got to go all around the world. I've got to go. I've got to go. I've got to go. I've got to go. I can't just stay here. As a matter of fact, when Jesus sent out his disciples, he didn't tell them to stay forever. He said, stay for a while and you wait for the promise of the Holy Spirit. But after that, you got to go. You got to go. You got to go into all the world. You got to be my hands and feet to all of humanity. 
Just for the record, you guys are making me preach harder than I want to. I almost grabbed a stool. I wanted to grab a stool today. I wanted to grab a stool and walk through all of this stuff. But I'm too excited. Here we go. Here we go. Here we go. I, I, I'm, I'm just about done in the same way the gospel is bearing fruit and growing throughout the whole world. Let, let me get on this. Just as it has been doing among you since the day you heard it and truly understood God's grace. The day you heard it and truly understood God's grace. I wish we could actually understand God's grace. We don't, we don't, we don't. We still keep thinking our good works somehow put us in right standing with God. I tithe. I give 10% of every dollar that comes into my life. My wife and I take that 10%. And we sow it into the church. We do that. It does not make me right and holy before God. Many of you are giving time, effort, and energy, and sacrificing, and serving, and volunteering. That does not make you right before God. You praying does not make you right before God. Your Bible study does not make you right before God. We do all of those things because his grace has made us right. So it's because of the transformation that has taken place on the inside of us that we do all of these things. So that's why it's not a chore. It's a pleasure. Verse 7, you learned about this from this weird guy's name, or weird name of this guy, rather, Epaphras. Is there anybody that's listening today that has this name, Epaphras? Ask somebody next to you if they have, they, their parents named them this. I, 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 I don't think so. I've heard people named Timothy. I've heard people named Paul. I've heard people even named Jesus, Jesus, Jesus. That's a lot of pressure. When you see this man's name, he was the one that carried the message of the gospel into this community. The Apostle Paul never even visited this city. This man, Epaphras, brought the gospel. No name, but known by God. No fame, but known by God. And in our day and age, when we have this hunger and this desire for everyone to know us and to like us, we could get twisted into thinking fame and fruitfulness are the same thing, but they are not. Fruitfulness trumps fame every single day. And I just want to be okay, not needing to be a Paul or a Timothy, but being okay if God says, Earl, just be Epaphras. Be faithful to your family, faithful to your community, faithful to where I have planted you, and then I'll I'll see you. If the world doesn't, I will. 
I, when I was playing uh, basketball uh, in, in college, I was a walk-on. Uh, that means they did not recruit me to play. So I, I'm coming onto the uh, basketball team. I am at the bottom rung of the team. All the other guys who were recruited had gr- nice gear on from the school and even shoes that the school had purchased for them. Me, I came with some jacked-up ghetto Nikes that I had from I don't know how long. And I'm wearing these Nikes, but I'm playing with these guys. And uh, this is, I'm saying this as humbly as I possibly can. I was doing well. Dunking and shooting and stealing and running. I didn't have the same shoes as them. My shoes were old, but they worked. And I feel like some of us are looking for so many new things all the time that we're trying to figure out some new combination for us to have an intimate and a deeper relationship with God. I'm telling you, it gets no deeper than the gospel of Jesus Christ. And it gets no deeper than God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit. It gets no deeper than you and I understanding that the blood of Jesus Christ has not lost one ounce of its power, that it still cleanses and washes and makes new. You don't need a new revelation. We need a new revelation of the old gospel of Jesus Christ that it is still good news for all of humanity. For me and for you. So whether you're at White Rock, Bishop Arts, Antigua or wherever you are around the world today and you're a part of this moment, I want to do everything I can in my power. These glorious scriptures that God has breathed to point us to a Savior that is fully and completely sufficient. If you wouldn't mind, friends, do me a favor. Bow your heads just for a moment. Bow your heads just for a moment. As you bow your heads, uh, I'm going to be inviting up MCs and campus pastors to come and stand next to me because this is a moment of transformation and a brand new beginning for so many of us. If you're under the sound of my voice, you've never given your heart and your life to Christ. You've never made him number one. You've never made him first. You've never made him boss of your life. Or maybe there was a time you did make Jesus first. There was a time you made him number one, but you slipped away and you've gone another direction and you're under the sound of my voice. You're saying, I don't want to go my own way. I want to go his way. I don't want to be first in my life. I want Jesus to be first in my life. If that is you under the sound of my voice, you've never given your heart to Christ or at one point in time you didn't, you slipped away. And today you want to give your heart and your life to serving Jesus. I'm going to ask you to do something simple but something bold. I'm going to ask you on the count of three to shoot your hand in the air and say, yes, that is me. I want to give my heart and I want to give my life to Jesus Christ. One, two, three. Just shoot your hand in the air. You're saying, yes, that is me. I want to give my heart. I want to give my life to Jesus Christ. I want to put him first in my life at all of our locations. Individuals saying, yes, I want to make him first. I want to, I want to make him number one in my heart and in my life. I'm going to ask everyone at all of our campuses, put your hand over your heart if you would not mind. I'm going to ask you to repeat this prayer out loud after me. Say, dear Jesus, 
I ask you to forgive me of all my sins. I admit I've made mistakes. And today, I give you my heart. I give you my life. Give me the power to live for you. In Jesus' name, amen. Let's lift our heads up at all our locations. Let's clap our hands with enthusiasm. We hope you enjoyed today's podcast, church. If you gave your life to Jesus today, we'd love to know you, meet you, and hear your story. So be sure to email your information to info at shorelinecity.church so we can get you the tools you need to grow in Christ and impact this world. Love you, church.